Welcome to Conversations About Life. And my name is Will. And um, I'm here with um, Brian and Jenny. And um, we're going to talk about training up children. But first, I'm just going to start off by giving a few of my thoughts um, about uh, teaching children, especially about teaching children to obey their parents. And it's one of the things that I'm most glad that we were pretty consistent about when our children were young. Uh, when one of my children uh, just willfully disobeyed or you know, chose not to obey, I saw it as a teaching opportunity, and I would take the child aside and explain why um, I needed to give them a spanking. And then in a controlled manner, you know, I would do so. And afterwards, I'd hold them for a few minutes until they calmed down, because normally they would cry when they were being spanked. And then I would pray for them and tell them that I love them. And I think the key was um, asking them to do whatever I was asking them to do in a clear manner so that you know I could be assured that they understood me and that I was asking them to do something that they you know could do. And then if they understood what I was asking and they chose not to do it, then to right then um, take them aside for the talk and the spanking and being consistent with that. If I um, had made sure that they heard and understood the first time, then there wasn't a reason for me to ask again. And I think that this um, teaching obedience is the foundation of uh, the rest of child training. Uh, it gives a healthy respect um, in the child for the parent, and it allows the time with the child to be effective for other training. If you have to beg your child to obey you, you're not enjoying your time with the child, and it's not a great environment for learning. And But there's more to training up children than just teaching them to obey. But I think that the obedience, teaching obedience is foundational. And Brian and Jenny have nine children that range in age from around 1 to 17. Is that about right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I've been impressed with the character of their children. And I thought that they would be good people to talk with about child training and teaching discipline. So thanks, guys, for taking the time to do this with me. You're welcome. Yep. Glad to be able to do it. Well, Brian, um, you told me a little bit about how when you guys were just starting off, you talked with another couple. And um, can you tell, kind of explain that story again for our listeners? Sure. Um, right before we got married and then right after we got married, we, we would babysit for some people from our church that were involved in a parenting class that they were going to and spending time with other uh, parents in the class. Um, and so um, when they would come back from doing that, we would just talk to them for hours about what they had been learning and what what they were doing. And and the reason that we even really started doing that is that we just noticed the difference in their children, you know, from some of the other kids that, that were around, even at the church that we were going to at the time is, you know, there just seemed to be something different about the way they acted, the way they interacted with each other and things like that. So that caught our attention and we began to ask a lot of questions about about that kind of stuff and and what they were doing different maybe than some other people were so so we just ended up spending a lot of time with them uh over the course of what 
a few years, I mean, at least, yeah. you know, um, talking, talking with them and, and just interacting and seeing, seeing how their family interacted and things like that. So that was, that was very helpful for us at a, at a young age and getting started and thinking about raising children hmm. to, to see, you know, their example of what they were doing. So, mm-hmm. and how would you describe that? Um, you know, just either one of you, how would you describe, you know, the way they raised up their children and, yeah, well, I think that Brian and I both really, really loved kids when we were younger. Um, I babysat for all kinds of kids, but these children definitely were different. They were so pleasant to be around. They, there was minimal whining, you know, whether we asked them to do something when we were babysitting or if their parents asked them to do something. And, um, they just really were fun kids because there were never, you know, the tantrums that we were used to or the, you know, like even I'm, I'm the youngest in my family, so I didn't have younger siblings to compare it to, but you know, I, I was, I was just a teenager. So I would, you know, do things like bribe the kids like, well, if if you do this, then we'll clean this up and then we'll watch a movie or whatever, you know, and we'd never had to do things like that with these kids when we would babysit them. We would, you know, even though we had so much fun playing with them, if their parents said, put them in bed at eight, we would put them in bed and they would just be like, good night. And we were like, where did these kids come from? I've never seen a kid like this before. So of course, like Brian said, it led into lots of conversations with their parents and, um, we noticed that they just really had such a high view of parenting, mm-hmm. taking um, taking their jobs as parents very seriously, um, and of course trying to apply biblical principles that they were learning to every part of it. Whether it, you know, as you already mentioned, if it was obedience or if it was having self control, that was a big one that they would try to teach their kids how to have self control. Um, when they were disappointed or when they were upset about something or even when they got hurt, you know, they would show them an appropriate way to, to cry even maybe about, um, you know, something they were upset about. Um, so Hmm. we we learned lots of neat things from them. (laughs) Yeah. That's neat. I kind of explained, um, my method of like responding to disobedience, I know there's, you know, there's different ways to do that. Um, do you guys have any thoughts? Like what, what's your way would you respond to disobedience in children? Well, uh, very similar. And when we're doing it right to what you're saying, and <laughs> I think that's part of the challenge of parenting too, is, uh, is always being consistent in the way that we do things. And, um, but uh yeah very you know from an early age we we try to tell our children you know that we expect them to obey and to obey means to do it the first time you're told without whining crying or throwing a fit you know and that's just something we repeat a lot to the younger ones especially and just to try to instill that in them that that's what it means um because they can go do what you say and have a very terrible attitude about it and i don't, and i don't think that that's what we're going for, you know, we're going for a willing obedience and, Mm -hmm. and the character training behind the action. And so Mm -hmm. that's always been important to us because you can, you can get them to do something unwillingly, but we're, we're a lot more concerned about them doing it willingly, obviously. So, um, that's been a, something that we've stressed, I think through the years with our kids is, um, 
you know, and there definitely are times that, that, you know, in the discipline, you know, just like you said, there's times for that. And, you know, a lot of communication throughout it seems to be very helpful and effective, you know, to not just um, respond to the situation, but to use it, like you said, as a teaching time and um, to try to explain what we're seeing in them that why we're not happy with their behavior or don't think that they're, you know, what they're doing isn't obeying or, you know, and try to take those times to explain to them what's going on um, with their heart, really, because that's what a lot of it comes down to. It's a heart issue, you know, and um, trying to explain and talk with them about why they're feeling the way they're feeling and why they're wanting to disobey and, and all of those things too. So, I think one thing too, when they were very young, you know, a lot of times when you're telling a small child, no, they're just, their natural inclination is just to cry. Um, and one thing that I don't even know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I didn't come up with it on my own, but I don't know where I came up with it from, uh, was instructing them that when you told them something disappointing, that what you wanted them to say was okay. You know, like, or, and I, it's kind of what Brian was saying about getting them to willingly obey. But I think sometimes, especially with really small children, they, there's, they're mostly selfish, but they do want to please their parents usually. But if they don't know what they're supposed to do, you know, whenever they ask for candy and you tell them no, well, that's, that's heartbreaking. But whenever they know that what you want from them is for them to say, okay, or, you know, listen to what I'm saying. You can't have it now, but you can have it later. So I want you to say, okay, or you'll have to have a spanking and you won't have it later. You know, the communication is really important. Um, And, you know, we've had tearful okays from you know, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, but they do start to get it and it does help them um, when they know what you're expecting from them. I mean, you can tell a child that's two years old that you want them to obey and they, you know, teaching them what obedience is through, you know, saying, so when I say this, you say, okay, or yes, mom, or, you know, you're teaching them, okay, that's what obedience is. And and giving them, like you said, the expectation because in a lot of things in life, if you don't know what the expectation is of you, it's hard to fulfill that. You know, it's hard to know how you're supposed to act or what you're supposed to do. Um, even in a job, if you just go to a job and somebody tells you, you just get to work. Well, you know, there's, there's an expectation that they have of what that means and what exactly the work entails. And if you aren't really sure of that, it's hard to fulfill that expectation. So communicating with the kids and, and letting them know exactly what the expectation is helps a lot too. Hmm. Is there anything else um, that you learned from this couple that you've put into practice in your own um, family that, you know, comes to mind that's, you know, just been helpful? Well, I, I would just say one thing I was thinking about just in parenting in general, and I think that it was one thing that really stood out to me about them is just how intentional they were. And Jenny kind of mentioned that as far as um, when she was talking about it earlier, but um, that they just were very purposeful in what they were doing. And I think that that really kind of stuck with us a little bit, stuck with me that it's not just like um, you just go about it and try it and take it as it comes every day. It's like there has to be an intentionality behind it. And we have to have a plan and a purpose for what we're doing 
And, um, and, and there's different ways to go about that, but, um, being very intentional was something that stuck out to me, I would say, and has kind of influenced me in, in particular. Mm-hmm. I think too, when I mentioned that they had a high view of parenting, mm-hmm. um, one thing that they had said, you know, when we were just in a conversation, I can remember, um, the mom saying, well, our hope is that they won't hate us when they're teenagers. Like that's why we're doing all of this. Cause she was just talking mm-hmm. about, you know, that society has this standard that once you become about 13 years old, you start to rebel and you don't like your parents until you become a parent yourself. And then you start realizing you might, you know, you might start realizing a little bit like what they went through to raise you. And you might start forgiving them of the things that you didn't like about them when they, when you were a teenager. But, um, you know, she was just saying that, you know, I, I think that's a lie that teenagers have to rebel and that they have to not like their parents and, so, you know, it was interesting because, of course, the world thinks, well, if you don't give a kid everything they want when they're little, they're definitely not going to like you. But, you know, it was really the exact opposite is what she was saying is we're teaching them boundaries. We're teaching them that how to respond and deal with things in life. And so that they will they will like us when they're older. They'll be they'll feel safe and secure and know how to to be a responsible adult and know that we love them. And, um, and it's a little bit sad for us. They did move away. I think their kids were probably, you know, the oldest one was probably eight or nine. Um, whenever we last spent very much time with them, but to my knowledge, their children are walking with the Lord and they still have good relationships with them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can see, um, you know, just, I mean, we didn't have any children when we started talking with them, but we've, you know, you can, that's one little bit of advice I think I would give young parents is find someone who has children that you like what you see and then ask them, how are you getting, how are you getting this result? What things, you know, is the Lord showing you mm-hmm. to do to um, get this result with your children? So, Yeah, I mean, I I think that that, and you mentioned it in the teenage years, but even in the younger stages, oh, the terrible twos, you know, people talk a lot about that and things like that, that you just, you can't expect them to obey or listen to you or whatever. And and we didn't see that in their kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think a lot of times that people just settle for thinking that that's just the way things have to be. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not. You know, and not that you're, there are going to be times, but it's, it's at those times where kids are really starting to test those boundaries that she was just talking about and those rules and things like that. But if you're firm and consistent and loving in the way that you teach those things, you know, it's, it's obviously beneficial and helpful in the whole, uh, relationship, you know, parenting child relationship. So, um, you know, you'd mentioned communication. Um, I guess, especially as the child is growing older, is there um, a way for the child to like respectfully have an objection to what you might be asking them to do so that it's not like disobedience, but it's like just kind of them expressing their thoughts about whatever the, the issue was? 
I think absolutely. I, and, and and we've told our kids that before, you know, and, and try to tell them it's okay if you question in a in a respectful way why you're being asked to do something or what what's going on and what, what why we're doing what we're doing. It's okay to talk about it and question it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, as long as it's in a respectful and and you know, understanding way that they're really seeking to find out information and not not just Mm-hmm. you know, ask it out of spite. Yeah. yeah. Well, and too, like with not super young kids, but you know, maybe, maybe like the eight to 10 year old range, sometimes you might ask them to do something and then there's this conflict with them, you know, cause when kids are very little, you know, you're wanting immediate obedience. And it's usually because it's something like, you know, pick up your shoes and put them in your room and they need to just do it right then. But, you know, whenever you ask someone who's eight or 10, they may be like, okay, I will, but I need to do this first. Um, and so, hmm. so that even, even that is a little bit like there's room then mm-hmm. as they get older that it makes sense, you know, well, well, dad had told me to do this. I need to finish this first and then I will come and get those shoes. Um, but the problem with eight to 10 year olds is they forget a lot of times that I'll, I'll, I'll do it in a minute, um, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so then, you know, then that's a whole different part of training, you know, learning to keep your word, even if it's something of oh. small, like, you know, you said you'd come back and get the shoes and you didn't. And mm-hmm. if or this you happens don't feel again, like it's a direct disobedience. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And they don't either. That's, that's where it's really hard. It's like, well, I meant to, I just forgot. And, you know, with different personality types, we have different kids that, you know, you really just have to say like, well, you need to make sure that doesn't happen again. And then there's other kids that it happens every time they say it. And so then, you know, further training is required then. But, um, but yeah, they definitely, you know, we always, we want our kids to, um, feel like they can talk with us, you know, so that, so that they do have better understanding of, you know, I mean, like Brian said, respectfully, but sometimes it is much easier to do a job when you know why you're doing it. Um, so we're, we're okay with, with that. Definitely. I think, and, and just trying to, it's just one way and an early stage that you're learning to communicate about things with your children, you know, and you're wanting, like she just said, you're wanting them to talk to you about things. You're wanting to have conversations. You're wanting to interact and, um, and so that's part of how that takes place. And I, so I think you definitely, I don't want to discourage that even at younger ages, you know, that communication and talking about things because d- kids learn at different ages and stages, you know, and so you, if somebody's, one of them is really contemplating things, I wonder why we're doing, why, why we do this. I wonder why they're asking us to do these things. You you don't want to just shut that down and, you know, demand just robotic obedience necessarily or whatever it's like you're you're wanting them to have understanding of why you're doing what you're doing and and so the you know the best way to to keep doing that is just to always have good lines of communication and i think that that's one thing that um has been helpful to us through the years and um and and as our kids have gotten older and you're talking to them about more important things and bigger things and life things having established the communication at an earlier age and building those relationships where you can talk about things makes it a lot easier 
then to step into some of the deeper topics and, you know, because they're not even, even at that, they're not always easy to bring things, you know, certain things up or to, you know, approach them about things that you're seeing in their character or whatever that you feel like needs to be worked on. You know, those things can be, you know, a little bit hard to do, but if you, and especially if you haven't had good communication and good relationships there to begin with, then that can make it a lot more difficult. So even at an early age, establishing those communications and relationships, I think helps to open the door and make it an easier uh, transition into the more, you know, bigger topics of life or whatever. So, yeah. You know, you'd mentioned, um, you know, wanting the, the couple, wanting them, their children to like them when they were teenagers. And, and I think that, you know, by discipline, you know, that's kind of the best method for that, developing a healthy respect mm-hmm. for the parents. But sometimes um, wanting too much the child to like you um, when they're young can kind of get in the way <laughs> because that um, if that's what you're thinking about more than you're thinking about the child's welfare and character development and yeah. stuff like that, you know, that can kind of be an obstacle. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And, and, and it's something as a parent that I struggle with, I think is, you know, having that desire, like you said, for your kids to like you, you, we have to keep that in balance with doing what's best for our children though, you know, and understanding Mm -hmm. that there might be times when they don't like what we're asking them to do, but if we're asking them to do the right things, then we, we have to be consistent in that and, and making sure that, you know, that's what's most important. And that hopefully one day they'll see that, you know, and and we can't really control that part of it necessarily Mm -hmm. as far as them getting that understanding. But, um, we definitely want to make sure that we aren't just, just being the friends, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and thinking about, you know, truly loving our children is wanting what's best for them. And that would be them, growing in a healthy and respectful and obedient way and not teaching them those things is not being loving and kind to them, but it's, it's actually making things harder for them down the road whenever they would continue to want to be selfish and only want to see things through their own eyes and own ways. And that just makes it hard for them to have relationships with others, you know, down the road and, and makes it difficult in a lot of life situations. If, if you're only, concerned and thinking about yourself and never taking into consideration others. Mm-hmm. I think one thing too that I would add is we were talking about that our kids can respectfully ask questions. Um, but I think that we forget that we even have to teach them how to be respectful. And um, maybe this is a problem more for moms than, than dads. But you know, if a kid starts off talking to you disrespectfully, um, Sometimes it feels like you're being prideful to be like, don't you talk to me that way? But it's it's something, you know, like, well, who am I that they have to talk to me in a certain way? You know, we moms may feel that way. But um, again, just kind of like what Brian was saying, if we don't teach them those things, even simple things like how to respect someone, um, it just makes for hardships later in life. So, you know, there are times that I know that you know, when we were first having children, I felt really uncomfortable saying things like, you can't talk to mommy that way because, you know, God put 
put me here to be your mom and I'm in charge of you and dad's not home and, you know, all of these things. Like, I, But I was teaching them to respect us. And I think that it's something, you know, probably if you have a child that is – you know, very smart alecky in the way they talk to their parents. Their parents have probably never just told them, you you are not supposed to talk to me this way. You know, I mean, there could be much deeper issues as well. But, you know, with a young child that's like that, sometimes it's just that they haven't even had training in that, like how to talk respectfully. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But. Well, I really like the phrase you used a couple of times, like a high view of parenting, because... um you know, it is just really such an important thing and just a, you know, a privilege to raise up children mm-hmm. and to train them and that it's going to ha- have an effect on the person they become as an adult. And I remember sometimes during times of discipline, you know, I would even, you know, talk with them about this matters because of how you will become when you're an adult, Right. you know. Have you guys had conversations like that with your children during <laughs> times of discipline and stuff like that? Oh, I'm sure, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and it's so true. I mean, the the old saying, and I don't know if I'll quote it exactly right, but the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world or something like yeah. that. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just an element of that that is very true in that you are influencing the next generation of people that are going to, come be raised up and they're going to have ideas about the way things should be and what is right and wrong. And you're helping to instill that in them. And so those, those, you know, people will raise up and they get in positions of leadership and they get in government and they get in thing, you know, things like that. And before long, they are the ones writing laws and making decisions about, um, what, what the culture at least says is right and wrong. And so, um, I think obviously um, we haven't necessarily been real explicit in it in this particular conversation, but a lot of our, you know, we want to base our parenting on, on the Bible and, you know, and that that is our foundation for what is right and wrong, what is true. And, and so that we begin, you know, from the very beginning, establishing that as our baseline, that it's not even just about what we say or what we feel as parents, you know, this is just what we want you to do. But we always have the authority line of, but this is what God wants you to do. Mm -hmm. God is the one that tells you to be obedient to your parents. And when you disobey us, you're actually disobeying him also. And so, um, but I think that that continues and, 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 that be you know as our foundation for what we're doing with our parenting though that that influences that that line of thinking and so it does get to you know as you're thinking about raising up children and that they are going to have thoughts and ideas about right and wrong and that they're going to be influencing culture around them that we want to make sure that we're giving them the right foundation for what we're saying is right and wrong and why we're why we're expecting certain things of them and and things like that have there um, been any books that's been helpful to you guys? <coughs> well, the Bible. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, obviously a lot of principles. And uh, uh, I was and pretty s- sure that you were going to ask this question, and I started thinking: Are there any that we that we liked so well, or were sure that were so solid that we would recommend them to somebody? Because I feel like. In our beginning parenting days, I mean, of course, this is something that I, I know that 
we've talked about before, um, how your parenting does change, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you have only small children and then your kids get older too. And then just you as a person are maturing as well, um, as a parent, um, you know, there were parts of books that were very helpful to us. Um, I think of like, even whenever our babies were infants, we did, we did use, um, I think that the title of the book is just baby wise or becoming baby wise. Hmm. Um, but then, you know, like whenever I was talking to other friends that had read it, they applied it a completely different way than I did. And, and then I was like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't tell people to read that book. <laughs> but, but the things that I took from it were super helpful. Just, um, I can remember specifically them talking about even, even then, even as a baby that you can begin to teach them, um, that they are not the center of the universe, that they have joined a family, that, you know, the, the child has joined a family. It's not that they're now the center of the universe because kids, uh, every person is selfish enough without their parents teaching them like, Oh yeah, you can be selfish too. Um, so I know that was a helpful one. Um, and then I think that, um, probably shepherding your child's heart has a lot of the training, um, techniques that we've used with our small ones. And and definitely helps to get the why behind what you're doing. I think that that was what was um, helpful about that. Um, It's not just giving you a step-by-step do this, do this, do this, but this is why we're doing what we're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and encouraging that. And so I would say books in that vein of, you know, explaining that it's a lot more about dealing with the child's character than than just the rigid, mm-hmm. you know, instruction or discipline or whatever um, have been the, the types of books that have been most helpful to us. Hmm. Yeah. Um, anything, uh, any other thoughts about just what might help, what helps with the environment of the home? I guess well-behaved kids help with the environment, but (laughs) (laughs) anything else comes to mind? Well, um, I think that, um, not that we haven't already talked about it, but just the, the trying to keep open lines of communication and trying to deal with, um, issues as they arise and not letting things fester and, you know, lay below the surface and not allowing even, um, child to child problems, you know, just stay that way and let, you know, but we expect resolution and, you know, we expect things to get worked out and for, and we're going to take the time to deal with those things before they become a deep seated problem. That's going to last and last and last, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that's one thing that I've noticed, I mean, I think it's with all people, but with your children especially, is that, um, you know, especially in a bigger family, you're going to have certain siblings that tend to get along a little better than others, and you have ones that rub each other the wrong way, so to speak, a lot of times. But um, those are very big teaching moments that you have to learn to be kind to others and, you know, be considerate of others, even though you may not see eye to eye with them on things. Um, but if you have, because when you have people that are just constantly in conflict with each other, it just, 
it does affect the situation, you know, the feeling in the home and the things like that. Yeah, everybody's affected by that, not just those two children mm-hmm. or whatever is going on there. So um, just trying to be aware of those type of things. And I think that, um, you know, I just would say my wife is really, really observant about those kind of things and notices stuff even in the smaller stages of things that this is going to become more of an issue if we don't get on this and you know get some instruction in this and um, she's just been so good throughout the years with keeping relationships as a focus and you know very important um and uh has been just extremely helpful to our family in general i think and just her she just seems to have an under a really good understanding of how relationships work and what you know. So sometimes I guess wrong <laughs> <laughs> with what they what they were thinking when they said that, but um, but I do think what you're talking about. Um, some of what we have said is yes, we talk about everything. You know, just um, some and and it is helpful to be observing. You know. What was that look on your face about whenever she said that to you? Are you guys having problems? You know what? Um, but two, we have talked with our with our kids a lot, especially when they're disagreeing with each other about um, what has eternal lasting value. Even with our littlest girls, you know, sometimes we have talks about now what's going to last forever? Is this doll going to last forever or is your sister going to last forever? And which is more important, you know, that you get to play with this doll or that you don't make your sister cry and hurt her feelings and make her um, sad that she thinks you don't like her. And, and it's all over this doll that could break and we could throw it in the trash tomorrow. Um, you know, and they always become really remorseful and will hug each other and say, I'm sorry. Yes, you're more important than that doll. It doesn't mean that five minutes later they're not arguing about the doll again, but you know, um, but like I said, have showing them what has eternal and lasting value that you know only people with souls will are eternal, and so relationships are the most important thing because of that. Um, yeah. Well, did you? Um, I know you've kind of thought about this a little bit ahead of time. Did you have any other things that you were? you know, just wanting to share during this time? Well, I I would think that um, one thing that we'd be remiss if we didn't mention was just that, um, I mean, I know we talked about wanting to have the Bible as the basis for a lot of things we did, but one thing that was very specific and intentional that we did and continue to do, not as not as often as we did when when most of the kids were young, but is to read through Proverbs together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much practical daily mm-hmm. advice and wisdom in, in the Proverbs that deal with situations and mm-hmm. attitudes and all, all things like that. And so that is one thing that has been really, I think, helpful in being able to teach the kids about a lot of things just about life. You know, that 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 Proverbs is very, very helpful in that. Um, just getting getting to the the real heart of the issue on things. And um, you know, in in there, you know, the phrase is a lot said, you know, give me your heart. My son, give me your heart. Yeah. You know, listen to me, trust me, you know, and and I think that 
as we're trying to build these relationships with our kids, we're wanting to, them to know that they can trust us, that we have their best interest in mind, that we are doing these things because we love them and we want what's best for them. And so if we can kind of keep talking about those things and helping our kids to understand that, then they're going to be a lot more willing to listen and to talk with us about things. And so just again, I think that the Proverbs help stress relationships and, and dealing mm-hmm. with a lot of day-to-day issues um, that, that come up. And that's just been something, I mean, we'll just, t- we'll just sit down and do a proverb a day and, and just go through every verse. And, and, and some days you, you hit particular ones and other times you'll just read through one and maybe not comment up too much about it, but just, you know, as the Lord leads you to comment about a specific one. Now this, this would deal with this situation or this would, you know, and so we would just go through and, and take time to do that. And mm-hmm. it didn't really seem to help, I think. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting, like you would think, as you mentioned, our oldest is 17. And I think that we started when he was about three months old, that I would read them to him. And you would think that after doing that, I mean, we, we've not always been super consistent with it, but, um, fairly consistent with it. You would think that you would, you'd like have them memorized and run out of things to talk about. But, you know, whenever they're young, of course, there's, there's topics that they don't even know what they're about and you skip over those verses. But now that they're teenagers, you know, those topics are becoming more relevant. Like they see these things in the world. And so we haven't run out of things to talk about, you know, with reading through the Proverbs. And also it helps make it easier to bring up, you know, hard topics, hard topics that are in, in the Proverbs, um, that you maybe, you know, you never just think, well, today I'm going to talk to my kids about adultery, but you know, like it, when you read it, 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 you can explain it. You can talk about it with the older, you know, with the teenagers and, you know, so it helps just to be an icebreaker too, of being able to talk to your kids about hard topics. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to wait until like, it's a really tough situation and okay, now I guess we have to talk about this, but, um, you know, it's just in a, conversation about what we read context too, that gives them some background on what they should believe about hard things before they're facing them with, you know, like with their life or with the life of a friend or, you know, whatever, hearing about it in the news or anything. What's your structure like? Do these things um, just kind of come up spontaneously? Like, you know, looking at Proverbs or do you have a particular structure to your day when, um, okay, now's the time we're going to do this or do that. And, you know, which includes things like looking at Proverbs or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that we are some of the most unstructured people that we know. (laughs) So the fact that it's been this consistent is interesting, but, um, I mean, sometimes it's just me and the kids in the mornings, or if we, you know, sometimes at dinner time, Brian will say, did you guys read the proverb for the day yet? And if we hadn't, for whatever reason, then we'll do it then. Um, but it's usually, you know, it's not like a classroom setting where everybody's sitting still and paying attention. Sometimes it's kind of crazy even, but, um, but I think it's just, it has been consistent enough that, you know, and it's always neat too, to see whenever somebody starts getting mature enough that they want to hear it and they want to sit and participate Mm -hmm. in the conversation. We don't always make the littlest ones, you know, I mean, sometimes we make them sit, but obviously you can't really make them participate. But, um, 
you know, so it is, it's always exciting to be like, oh, she didn't go off with the little kids whenever we said, all right, you can, you can go play while we finish this if you want. So, um, so it's not structured as in, will we do it at this time or whatever? No, we're not that structured. But it's structured in like, oh, we're going to do this every day or right. we're going to try to. We're going to try to do it most hmm. days. Um, and I think, too, um, over the last few years, as more of our kids have gotten older, um, they have chosen that they want to do – well, and we've helped them to choose that they want to do a Bible reading plan. And we've done different things in the past, um, but this year – the Proverbs is basically the only reading plan that we chose as a family. I mean, I know that the older kids are reading different things on their own, but um, so we've told everyone that can read that we'd like for them to read it during the day. And so a lot of times they'll read it on their own in the morning before they start their school. And then we may even just talk about it later, or I'll read it out loud before we start school for the ones that can't read. And then, you know, we kind of talk about it too. So that's been a little bit different in, in this year, like just since January that we've done it probably more structured, um, in a more structured way. So in years past, you'd have like a Bible reading plan, not just for individuals, but like as a family you would read through or, or something, right. something like that. Okay. Well, I mean, it would be, they would read it as an individual in the morning on their own. Oh, and I then see. we would just, Brian had encouraged the older kids to, you know, write down the verses that stood out to you or write okay. down hmm. something that God spoke to you through it. And then a lot of times we would just talk about those ideas during mm-hmm. dinner and, and may or may not read. You know, if somebody was behind on their reading, then, then we would maybe read it out loud together. Um, but we did a we did a reading plan that was the entire Bible one year, and that seemed a little bit hard for all of the readers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we did one that was just the new Testament. Was it just the new Testament or mm-hmm. and Psalm? Just the new Testament. And then, you know, there's a little less reading and yeah. a little more familiar stories. And, um, it seemed like we got some really good conversation from that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and, and just being consistent with those things is a struggle as, yeah. especially with the big family. And as your kids are getting older and they're getting more involved in things and, um, you know, but you, you, that's why it's so important to be intentional about things, because if you're not, life will just happen. And before you know it, you're like, oh, I thought we were going to do so many different things. And, you know, here, you know, our, our son's almost 18 and, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm very thankful that, you know, the Lord has helped us in that and um, just allowed us to be influenced by, you know, we had such good influence at the beginning, but then, you know, just throughout, um, you know, just getting with people together with people and talking with people. And, and we continue to do that to this day. I mean, we have a, a group of friends, uh, that we get together with, try to get together with once a month or every two months where, you know, but we're still sitting around talking about life and parenting and how, how as things have changed and things like that, that we're continuing to strive to do better in what we're doing and trying to encourage one another in what we're doing as parents and, and raising children. And so that, that's just a couple of thoughts that I've had just as we've been talking. And then also as I was preparing, you know, knowing that you're, 
we were going to have this conversation is just that, um, you know, continue to talk with people, find people, like she said, early, early on, but don't stop, you know, continue to seek out help and guidance and talk to other people about what they're going through and how they're handling things and what, what's important to them and, you know, how they're making decisions as their kids are getting older and what you allow them to do and not do. And, you know, all of those things, because I think, um, you know, we've, We've tried to be intentional, but you can always do better. And just the thought, too, that to not ever feel like you've arrived at at, at this. I mean, there's always more to learn. And there's always, you know, that we could be always ways that we could be doing better at what we're doing. And so just, you know, being intentional and, and having that mindset that you're going to be um continuing to grow in it and that you you haven't arrived oh we've we've done pretty good with a few kids so we must have this you know it's like i still feel like a failure most days you know and and i'm thankful that you know some other people have you know um told me even recently that you know just like you said i've i you know i'm thankful to hear you say it too that you've noticed our kids and the way that they're acting and and things like that. I mean, and and obviously we give all the glory to the Lord on that. But um, and we're very thankful for Him working in their lives as well. But um, but you just you just keep doing it. You just keep going and never never feeling like we're done. We've accomplished any you know something here or um, that we we've reached reached the finish line by any stretch. I mean, of course we haven't. We have a one year old. But I mean, <laughs> um, that's that's one thing that's gotten a little hard through the years too. As dealing with older children, you kind of feel like okay, we're, we're past all of the, the, you know, dealing with the younger kids stuff and, and all that. And you've moved on to these bigger things, but, um, we have to remember to, to go back and do a lot of these things, you know, that we did with our first few with, with the, you know, the later ones as well. So, yeah. Well, you have any thoughts about what you would like the next 10 years still look like for your family? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. Um, we do. I mean, I do. I'm not sure what, what all that's going to entail, but, um, you know, if the Lord, if the Lord allows it, um, we're hoping for some, you know, some beautiful weddings in the next 10 years, I would say, (laughs) you know, hopefully at least a couple. And, um, because, you know, we just, we love the family aspect of things, you know, and, and just the blessings that the Lord has provided through that, through a man and a wife, you know, being married and having a family. It, it's just such a neat thing. And there's just so many blessings that come from that. And so, you know, all, you're never like wanting to rush your kids out the door. It happens fast enough anyway. But yet at the same time, you're wanting them to be able to experience some of these things that the Lord has given us to, and, you know, and, and just cause it is a neat thing, you know, I mean, this is a lot of, um, just great blessings that come from it. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I would hope, I would hope that for some of our children that are at, at that age and getting there within the next 10 years, um, obviously for the younger ones, you know, would love, love to see the, the Lord just continue working in their lives and, and drawing them to himself and, um, that they would, that they would want to follow him and, and, uh, walk with him daily. And, um, what about you? I don't know. <laughs> I sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I think too, just, um, 
for us as parents that we will have grace to continue to not grow weary and well-doing, you know, um, like he said, sometimes we laugh about, you know, talking with our oldest about college and then still like changing diapers too and not sleeping all night with the baby. And it's, <laughs> it's a stretch and, um, but, but it's all important stuff, you know, and we, um, want to continue to finish strong with, you know, with, with all of them. Um, so yeah, just mm-hmm. to keep, keep doing it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to make it sound like that those are the only things that are are acceptable for our children as far as, <laughs> as they're getting older. You know, we want them to, to follow the Lord and whatever he has for them, whether that, you know, right. whatever that would be, if that would be, you know, a life of mission work or a life, you know, whatever, whatever that is. Um, but, uh, you do, you know, like I said, you do feel and see the blessings of in, in the relationships. I mean, I, I just think more and more that's one thing, you know, that, we've thought about through the years is just not only with our kids, but life in general is about relationships with people. Mm. And mostly the most important being your relationship with the Lord. But then also it's just, you're just constantly interacting with people through life. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so understanding and, you know, teaching about relationships and helping your children to see that is, you know, one of the most important, um, parts of the task I think of is, and so it not only helps prepare them, but I think that those are the things that helps, um, the, the family itself to run more smoothly and, and, uh, hmm. you know, having those good relationships and trying to encourage that with them. And, um, well, it just kind of amazes me, um, sometimes by just how much, good can come out of just faithful parenting and, you know, like having a high view of, of parenting and just the, the blessedness that comes out of your family as, as they grow. Um, sometimes I think that maybe, um, some families just don't have that, even an idea, a vision of what it, it could be. And the only thing they, they know is, you know, kids growing up and just doing their own thing and just, you know, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, the family life and training children. But, but thank you for the example that your family is. And I think you guys are very blessed. And I expect that blessedness to blossom in wonderful ways for you and your family as you go through the years. But thank you for having this conversation with me. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>